Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. Thank you very much to those of you who've already tuned in over the last few weeks, and I really, really do appreciate the feedback and comments that you've made on our earlier shows. Do keep the suggestions coming. Um, We'll be going out to the social media groups to ask for ideas of future programs. And just let you know, we're going to be starting our Conversations With series fairly soon, and that's where we're going to be interviewing some interesting people out there in the HR, OD and L&D community. I'm really excited about some of the names we've got lined up. So for those of you who are just tuning in, my name is Lucinda Carney and I'm a chartered psychologist. I'll explain why that's relevant and I'm raising that at this point. But in terms of my background, I've got 15 years of corporate experience in a senior HR role, further 10 years as founder and CEO of Actors Software. And in both of those roles, I've always had a leaning towards OD. And that's why I thought that this week's episode on demystifying OD could be a good topic to get stuck into. And that is because I put a post out on LinkedIn quite recently and just asked out of curiosity, how many people actually understand what the word OD is? And it was fascinating. I think if you are outside of HR, virtually no one has a clue what you're talking about. Everyone knows what HR is, but they don't know what OD is. And I think that's um, supported by uh, an anecdote that I have certainly that when I started out 10 years ago, someone said to me, I had OD on my uh, business card. And they say, what's an odd consultant? And I said, uh, okay, that's organisational development to you. And they still were none the wiser. So for me, I think OD is a bit confusing, even if we are in this area. And as I mentioned, I'm a chartered psychologist. That basically means I did a psychology degree. I then did an occupational psychology master's. And then I was supervised for three years while I was putting this into practice. And I had to do a number of OD activities and interventions during that that I wrote up when I was supervised. Now, I'm saying this because actually I don't consider myself an expert at all because I don't live in academia or practice it on a regular basis. But I am very interested in uh, doing things well. And we know that being evidence-based is something we should do more of. And actually, many of us, if we're in HR roles, are being asked to do OD. So I thought it would be helpful just to clarify what it is, what it isn't, how it's different from HR, and just take away some of the mystery. On that note also, I mentioned being more evidence-based. I don't know if any of you have come across this website. I will put it on the show notes, but it's quite a useful one if you're trying to you know, increase the, your levels of evidence-based work. One of them is called scienceforwork.com. And um, as I say, I'll put the link down below. But that's a really great one just to get some high-level articles on evidence-based HR. And um, if you want to go more deeply into this, you could sign up to something which is called SIBMA, which is a Centre for Evidence-Based Management. Now, I'm a member of this organisation. And those of you who've heard of Rob Reiner, he's very senior in that organisation. And that is a place where you can really go and get access to some of the theories. One of my major frustrations, I think, is that we're criticised for not being evidence-based, yet it's virtually impossible to get access to the evidence 
Now, if you really are serious about that, SEBMA is a really good resource and place to go to. Okay, so we're being a bit academic, but I promise you the podcast is going to be as practical as possible because that is absolutely my preference. And I suppose let's start out by thinking, what do we mean by OD? And effectively, it's just about evolving. It's about adapting, evolving or improving an organisation. But the key is, it's about doing it in line with business goals or organisational goals. So the CIPD um, define it as a planned and systematic approach to enabling sustained organisational performance through the involvement of its people. So that's another definition. But the key for me is it's very much should be aligned with business strategy. The sort of things that are included in OD or organisational development, it's very much about change, but it could be change of process. It could be change of culture. It could be change of people. And it is about diagnosing things. So it's done in a managed way as opposed to you know, we have these change initiatives. Oh, we're just going to uh, shout about this. That's not OD. That's just something where a, an idea is plucked out of the sky. Doing OD properly is about sustained and well-managed change. And we're doing a separate, well, in fact, our first podcast was on change, wasn't it? We'll be doing future podcasts on change. We know that change often doesn't work down to people issues. And one of the main things is, in my opinion, is it isn't managed by uh, OD practitioners. It isn't followed through in a structured way. So in terms of what is OD, I'll just check with my notes here in terms of make sure I'm covering things as I go through. We've talked about what it is. It's about changing the organisation. We've said that it's about being evidence-based. So that might be using uh, structures or behavioural science evidence. And it's about being systematic. So it's about doing a diagnosis and then it's about a systematic and methodological change. So how does that differ from HR? I think it's really interesting because I hold a view that I think HR could fit under OD. The interesting thing is that they tend to be seen the other way around. You might have an OD consultant within HR. You might find that OD type activities actually are done outside of HR. One company I worked at had had a department called Business Improvement. They would do things like Six Sigma and Lean initiatives. And actually, arguably, that is OD as well. So it's interesting as where it sits, but if it's a people-related initiative, you would expect HR to be involved. And for me, OD actually is a broader, wider activity. And as I say, my, my argument would be that maybe we should have OD directors sitting on boards and then HR and learning and development sit into it. That's my controversial point for this podcast. I would be interested to see if anyone else agrees. Okay, so we've defined what organisational development or OD is. What I'm going to do now is going through the podcast as we'll look a little bit at what examples of OD activities might be. So you might recognise them, decide whether you're actually doing them already. We'll also think about what's the difference between OD and HR, the subtleties of the difference. And then we'll say basically a five-step process, which is how do you do OD? If it was an OD intervention might be the language you hear Although I'm not desperately keen on intervention, it does sound a bit like we're going to accost people and and lock them up. Uh, But basically, how do you do an OD intervention? Some practical tips and steps so you can feel confident when you're doing OD as opposed to feeling this mysterious term and not know what it is. So for me, the sort of things that might fit into OD are if you're involved in changing the structure, skills or behaviours, basically cultural aspects within an organisation in order to lean 
towards achieving strategic goals. So there should be a clear goal. It's not just doing things for the sake of it. Also, it might be um, looking at things like theory and practice. And so analysing how the organisation is happening, uh, looking at different cultural pockets of behaviour, looking at ways certain aspects of the organisation are more effective. And you may then put in an intervention, I don't know, leadership development programme or team activities to share the skills across an organisation. But you would be basically looking at theories and analysing in line with those behavioural theories. Anything to do with change, in my view, pretty much fits within OD. And there's all sorts of areas there where you think of, uh, you could divide it down into technical change. And I say this way, you think of where you've had initiatives like business process initiatives. It could be culture change. It could be people change, like leadership development programmes. And it can be evolving. So it's not necessarily something... Uh, that it may go on over time. So you'd have a succession of interventions. I was trying to think of some examples of interventions, I suppose, that I've been involved in 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 my past. So I think uh, an example of no intervention might be working with both HR and a business planning team to develop a new performance management process. But the reason this is OD, it's not about just getting us better at doing appraisals. It's actually making something more effective in terms of meeting the organisation's goals. So maybe it's better aligning, there's a better cascade process, or there's better alignment between individual and organisational goals. It could be you're doing something where you are facilitating workshops or focus groups to understand cultural issues, values, how people perceive, let's say, the organisational values, what they mean to them. And it may then be a to-be workshop in terms of what values or competency behaviours should we have in the future. It could be something like uh, analysing the feedback from exit interviews, trying to identify themes, testing those themes out, see if they're robust. Let's say there's an issue that's arising on a regular basis that people are leaving because of poor induction, for example. And then you might put in place training or systems to address them. Or it could be job redesign, where you're working with a department to understand what the shape of the roles need to be in the future, maybe looking at the competition, identifying what sort of skills people need in future compared to what they have now, and then helping them to define the roles and structure that's best going to support this. The bottom line is, if an OD intervention is done well, it needs to lead to a change in the business. Obviously, that's the case about any change, but it's about how well, therefore, the change is managed. And as I said earlier, that's a topic we can talk about again. But change, uh, culture change, transformation would fit into OD too. So now let's have a think about how do I do OD? And I've got a five-step process here for us to run through. So I'll just keep referring to my notes when rustling my papers. So in terms of these five steps, the difference between you know just transformation or doing change, OD is much more structured, it's much more systematic, and it's much more methodical. And that's why I think it's useful to think of it in terms of five steps. So first of all, it's about understanding the needs, you know, diagnosis. And you might look at, I mentioned earlier, the example of uh, needs in terms of competition. Let's say you need to have a different shape of skill set in the organisation because um, you've moved technologies and uh, the world's moved on. And actually, you've got people with legacy skills. And in order to succeed in the marketplace, you need to have people with wholly different skills in order to be more competitive. So that might be you know, the shape of your workforce or the skill set that you need in terms of your future strategy. It might be that you can see 
that you've got a whole bunch of people who are going to retire in the next five to 10 years, which is going to leave a huge gap or risk in your organisation. So that might be where you'd spot a risk and then decide how you're going to meet it. So you're identifying needs. But the key is it's not just saying what training needs do you want? It's looking at them in the context of the organisational setting about what the organisational strategy is. So if they want to be particularly successful in a data marketplace, then they need to make sure that they've got people with those data skills. You might use tools like the sort of tools that people who've done MBAs, etc., or marketing qualifications. So where you come across SWOT analysis, PESEL analysis, of strategic planning. So you might use diagnostic tools to make this robust and objective. So that's the way in which you'd start out by a structured way of identifying the needs in terms of the shape of the organisation, the processes of the organisation, or the skills of the organisation compared to where they want to be. Second part, you've done that identifying needs. You're then going to think about how best to address those needs. It's quite considered because you could think about things in terms of the one I came up with earlier. If you haven't got the right skills, you're going to lose key skills. Well, it might be a recruitment uh, intervention. It might be a training intervention. There may be mentoring or other ways of upskilling, or it might even be a process intervention where you need less, I don't know, consultants in a certain area by improving the technical expertise that's built into your product. There's a whole range of ways in which you can adjust or come up with solutions. And the key is being quite objective and thinking about what the possible solutions are before you select them. And I think that's where the uh, criticisms are often leveled at us is often we, we just kind of go with the first solution. So actually, it's about being quite considered, looking at the different options and then selecting the right one. And that's where things like um, I've mentioned lean, I think, earlier so lean engine, uh, lean process reinvention, is it? Lean engineering, I remember that was very common. Uh, but there's other frameworks. Standards are quite useful in this position. So ISO framework, we have to do that as a business. And it's a really useful set of standards that you can use as a benchmark to compare yourself against. In terms of people, we've got things like investors in people. So that's another sort of set of questions that you can evaluate and score yourself against. Other models that you might look at, I've got here, you've got McKinsey's 7S model, if any of you have come across that, and also Burke Litwin. I remember doing this when I went on an OD programme at Roffey Park, which is a, you can Google that, Burke Litwin, and it's a an OD process model where you can look at the way in which everything interrelates within your organisation, decide what the outputs are you're trying to achieve and align um, the interventions against them. So you've done your identification of needs, and then you're basically deciding how you're going to address those. You've considered a number of options, and you're using a structured way of doing this. Then, of course, you're going to you're going to select this. So you're going to select your intervention. And I looked on the the CIPD website earlier, actually, and they come up with four ways in which the interventions might be. And I guess you might have one or more of these. So you've got human processes. Basically, would be one thing we might look at. So that might be coaching people, it might be training programs, it might be working in groups or facilitating teams of people to do things differently or define things differently. You've then got business process interventions, which are things like business process re-engineering, Lean Six Sigma, all these are terms that I'm familiar with. I have to say I'm not trained in either of these, but I remember these being done in manufacturing environments that I've been involved with. 
You then got good old HR interventions. And this is where, again, we're seeing that actually HR does sort of fit within OD as opposed to the other way around. So looking at performance management, that would be a classic one to look at. Uh, reward, you could put in place uh, analysis of personality types or psychometrics or other ways of evaluating your workforce. And then you've got more sort of strategic interventions like transformation programs or cultural change. All of those are really easy to say, aren't they? But none of them are easy to do. They're quite huge. So that's your selection of an intervention. Then, of course, you've got to put it in place. And that's implementation. And that's where you've done a really good considered job in terms of deciding how to do it. I would very much recommend that you take on a structured approach to delivering the change, because that's where all too often we don't do change well. And it's because we just don't think it through properly. So we've been considered in this first place. You then need to make sure that whichever intervention you choose, it's well implemented and the change goes through a process. You unfreeze the organisation, refreeze um, and actually think about how to push it through to conclusion. So it's not just about starting the change. It's about making sure that it's well managed. And then finally, I say the really important is actually having a point where you evaluate the change. So if we're doing it effectively at the start where we identified our needs, and the gaps, we should really have clear goals as to what we're trying to achieve as a result of this initiative or change. And therefore, we should make sure we do that point. And I know loads of businesses I've been involved in, what happens is we never stop and go, how did we do? You know, actually taking stock, did we achieve that outcome? Um, Reflecting on that, do we need to do more? Uh, What else do we need to learn? So you've got a five-step process there to doing OD. Basically, identify the needs, Then you want to decide or how you're going to address those needs. You're going to select your intervention. You're then going to implement the intervention and then you're going to evaluate the impact. And that would be us doing OD. So hopefully that's quite straightforward. I know it's really common sense, but uh, I know the stage is also that perhaps we don't always think to do. So using some of these structured models is a good way of doing it. And we do have some resources on that that you can download from our website. And finally, I just thought I'd come up with some examples of where OD is different from HR, just to try and bring it to life, because I know many of the people on this um, group are actually HR practitioners. So it's working out when are we doing OD and when are we doing HR? When is it OD? I think it's OD when it's orientated broadly around the wider organisation, whereas HR is more specifically about a human resources process or about people. And it could be HR or L&D, let's say. So an OD intervention, we might actually decide that we're going to diagnose and define the new skills that we're going to need in the business in order to support the five-year business vision, let's say. The HR piece there would be recruiting people with the right skills to do that. So you can see that it's aligned. They're absolutely aligned, but it's different. On the other hand, it could be OD might be um, facilitating the definition of values or strategic goals So it's working with people to think broadly about what they are uh, in order to meet the future strategy. The HR piece would be about monitoring and reporting on these and on performance management activities that align with them. So it's making it happen, really. One of the really important things for HR there. Other options here, I've got a whole list of these which you can download, but I'm just going to pick a couple others. So um, OD might be defining a competency or skills framework that's going to support a new way of working. And the HR piece would be about evaluating the skills already available in the business and actually tracking any progress. And I guess L&D might then put in training courses that are going to develop those skills. So it all aligns really nicely together. 
And actually you can see how that's how you would get good quality change. So you actually need to keep these, these elements all aligned. So OD might be developing an overall talent management and retention strategy with aligned development. But you see, I would have been doing that in L&D. So it feels for me that there's a big overlap. It depends maybe how strategic your role is. Then more HR would be about actually monitoring whether we're retaining people, looking at those metrics about attrition and also allowing access to aligned development. And then the final one that I'll share is we're saying that OD is more looking at uh, behavioural science theory and business theory and theories, if you like, and best practice in order to define the best solution. HR are often having to look at employment law and policies in order to protect the organisation and enforce policies that are already in place. That's making things happen more operationally in that context. So I hope those examples may be broadly useful to you. Uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover in terms of demystifying OD. I think we should do more of it. I don't think it matters whether or not I've got HR on my job title or L&D on my job title. I believe we can all implement OD and it's about us thinking about what's the purpose of what we're doing. It's probably one of the most important things we can do. And again, because we often get criticised for not being strategic enough, I think if we consider how we can practice OD, then it's about making sure that whatever activities we're doing fit into the wider context. I regularly, regularly meet with clients who maybe want to build business cases for a system, let's say that they want to bring in, whether it's a new recruitment system, performance management system, training, they want to get investment from the board in, uh, on something. They don't look up quite often high enough, in my opinion, to build that business case. And if you bring in more OD, which is very much about thinking, where does the organisation want to get to then and what those goals are, and then translate that into whatever HR or L&D system process or investment you wish. I personally believe that bringing more OD to our practice as HR and L&D professionals is going to give us a much greater credibility. And also it helps us to build the business case because you are translating these activities that we're doing and helping the business understand how they make a difference to key strategic goals. So much more likely to get investment, sponsorship and support, whatever it is that you want to do. But we need to get better at communicating that. And I think that's where OD fits. Really fascinated to know if anyone else agrees, actually. Um, I'd love to hear from you on this. Because OD is something I'm pretty passionate about. I think we should be be taken seriously and that's one way we can do it. So I think that's that's enough for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that that truly has demystified OD for you. It is a topic that I feel we should take seriously as L&D and HR professionals because I think it's the key to us being seen as more strategic. OD ties everything we do up and it links it to business goals. When we are building a business case, and I meet countless clients who are doing that, all too often the HR business case is, is I would say it's looking down, it's too narrow. And what we need to do is look up, we need to be broader, we need to think about the business goals and the business impact. And that's what OD is. So I really would recommend that uh, we all try this. I think it's really in keeping with our HR uprising theme. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Do please link up with me on social media, comment uh, below. We'd really, really welcome your feedback and comments and tell your colleagues. Uh, I'm really keen to get this community bubbling. So that's all that remains. My name's Lucinda Carney, and this has been the HR Uprising podcast on demystifying OD. 
and it's been great speaking with you. Remember, when we look up, we rise up. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.